Advent and Sunday blessings to you all. This is the Lord's Day, the day of resurrection that commences a new week and offers a new opportunity to be drawn by grace more deeply into the paschal mystery of Jesus Christ. Through the gifts of the Holy Spirit, may each of us graciously respond to Jesus' invitation to live more deeply his passion, death, and glorious resurrection and ascension and be drawn into loving communion with God our Father. You are listening to Encountering Jesus with the Church Fathers, a podcast pondering patristic commentary and insight on the sacred scriptures, the sacred liturgy, and living as a disciple of Jesus Christ. I am your host, Father Mark, and I welcome you to this podcast on the first Sunday of Advent. As many of you know, this podcast features an excerpt of a particular father of the church or ancient Christian writer's commentary on sacred scripture that is proclaimed at Sunday Mass. This Sunday, however, we will listen to a homily given by St. Maximus of Turin on the season of Advent. Scholars do not know much uh, concerning the background of St. Maximus. He was a student of St. Ambrose, and we do know that by the year 398, St. Maximus had been installed as the Bishop of Turin in northern Italy. During the time of his Episcopal ministry, Turin and the surrounding region was beset by invasions of varying barbarian tribes. Maximus devoted a good amount of his pastoral ministry, reminding Christians in ways marked by clarity, firmness, and bluntness to live the corporal works of mercy. In many of his sermons, he challenged the rich to share with the poor, especially the refugees of battles, whatever necessities they needed in order to live. As we listen now to St. Maximus's Homily 60, his focus on the corporal works of mercy is quite evident as he provided his flock with guidance for living the season of Advent. May his wisdom become insightful for us as we approach Advent anew, that it may be not only a liturgical season of the year, but a way of living as a disciple of Jesus Christ. You well know what joy and what gathering there is when the birthday of the emperor of this world is to be celebrated. How his generals and princes and soldiers 
arrayed in silk garments and girt with precious belts worked with shining gold, seek to enter the king's presence in more brilliant fashion than usual. For they believe that the emperor's joy is greater if he sees his household engaging in a more elaborate preparation and that he will be happy to the extent that they throw themselves into his celebration. And so, inasmuch as the emperor, being human, does not look into hearts, he may see their love for him by looking at how they are dressed. Thus it happens that whoever loves the king more devotedly attires himself more splendidly. And, since they know that on his birthday he will bestow generous gifts on his servants and on those who are considered to be insignificant and mean in his house, they first hasten to fill his treasuries with a variety of rich things, so that an abundant largesse might not be wanting for as long as he wishes to dispense it, and so that the desire of the giver might not exceed the substance of the gift. They do these things carefully, then, because they hope for a greater recompense for themselves in return for their care. If, therefore, brethren, those of this world celebrate the birthday of an earthly king with such an outlay for the sake of the glory of present honor, with what solicitude ought we to celebrate the birthday of our eternal king, Jesus Christ, who in return for our devotion will bestow on us not temporal, but eternal glory. Nor will he give us the administration of an earthly honor, which comes to an end when someone else inherits it, but the dignity of a heavenly empire, which has no end. The prophet says what kind of reward this will be. Quote, Eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor has it entered into the human heart what the Lord has prepared for those who love him. Unquote. With what garments does it behoove us to be fitted out? But I have said us, which is to say, our souls, since Christ our King does not demand splendid clothing so much as loving souls. He does not look at bodily ornaments, but considers the hearts of the deserving. Nor does he admire the workmanship of a 
fragile belt girding one's loins, but rather that of a strong chastity, restraining wantonness for the sake of modesty. Let us seek, then, to be found before him, proven in faith, bedecked with mercy, and arrayed in virtues. And whoever loves Christ more devotedly is more shiningly intent upon the observance of his commands, so that he may really see that we believe in him when we so shine on his feast day. And the purer he sees us, the happier he is. Before many days, then, let us make our hearts pure. Let us cleanse our consciences and purify our spirits and Shining and without stain, let us celebrate the coming of the spotless Lord, so that the birthday of him whose birth was known to be from a spotless virgin may be observed by spotless servants. For whoever is dirty or polluted on that day will not observe the birthday of Christ and fulfill his obligation. Although he is bodily present at the Lord's festivities, yet in mind he is separated by a great distance from the Savior. Nor can the impure and the holy, the avaricious and the merciful, the corrupt and the virgin keep company. Indeed, an unworthy person commits an offense when he intrudes himself and does not announce himself. For although he wishes to be courteous, he appears insulting, like the one in the gospel who, in the midst of the saints, was invited to the wedding and dared to come without his wedding garment. And although some were bright with righteousness, others were brilliant with faith and still others were resplendent with chastity, he alone, contaminated by his filthy conscience, was despised by all the shining ones because of his unsightliness. And the more the holiness of the blessed ones reclining at table gleamed forth, so much the more was the depravity of his sins manifest. He who would perhaps have been less displeasing had he not forced himself upon the assembly of the righteous. He was expelled then and carried out by his hands and feet into the outer darkness, not only because he was a sinner, but because, despite the fact that he was a sinner, he claimed the reward of holiness for himself. Therefore, brethren, let us who are about to celebrate the Lord's birthday 
cleanse ourselves from all the filth of our sins. Let us fill his treasuries with gifts of different kinds, so that on the holy day there might be the wherewithal to give to travelers, to refresh widows, and to clothe the poor. For what sort of thing would it be if in one and the same house, among the servants of a single master, one should vaunt himself in silk, and another should be completely covered in rags? If one should be warm with food, and another should endure hunger and cold? If out of indigestion, one should be belching what he had drank yesterday, and another should not have compensated for yesterday's dearth of food? And what will be the effect of our praying? We ask to be freed from the enemy, we who are not generous with our brethren. Let us be imitators of our Lord. For if he wished the poor to be sharers with us in heavenly grace, why should they not be sharers with us in earthly goods? Nor should those who are brethren, as far as the sacraments are concerned, be strangers, as far as means of sustenance are concerned. Indeed, we shall plead our case before God better through them, so that at our expense we ought to feed those who will give thanks to him. However much a poor person blesses the Lord, it profits the one whose deed prompts the blessing. And as it is written of one, quote, Woe to that person through whom the name of the Lord is blasphemed. Unquote. So it is written of another. Quote, Peace to the person through whom the name of the Lord, the Savior, is blessed. Unquote. But what is the recompense of the giver? That someone should act in the quiet of his own home, and through many should beseech the Lord in church, and that while perhaps he would not dare to petition the divinity by reason of the prayers of many petitioners, he might receive even what he was hoping for. Recalling the assistance of ours, the blessed apostle says, Quote, that thanks might be given by the many on our behalf, and again, that your offering might be acceptable, sanctified in the Holy Spirit. Unquote. St. Maximus of Turin, pray for us. Let us pray. 
grant your faithful, we pray, almighty God, the resolve to run forth to meet your Christ with righteous deeds at his coming, so that, gathered at his right hand, they may be worthy to possess the heavenly kingdom. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Go and announce the gospel of the Lord.